0: Welcome to The Good Life. I'm your host, Sean Murray. My guest today is Blas Moros. He's a talented writer and the creator of a very popular blog called The Rabbit Hole, where he provides book summaries, essays, and other resources. I stumbled across The Rabbit Hole a few years ago, and it's become a great resource for me and others. But what I'm most excited about today is that in this episode, Blas announces the launch of a unique resource and community called The Lattice Work. Listeners, to the good life will be among the first to know about this incredible resource. It's an ambitious project that connects the big ideas from the big disciplines and brings together a community of like-minded learners to explore the most important mental models and develop a multidisciplinary way of thinking. I'm excited to be a part of this community and I encourage you to check it out too. In this episode, Blas talks about how he came to build the lattice work, Charlie Munger's concept of worldly wisdom, Why mastering the big ideas from the big disciplines is so important, how to apply the concept of compounding to our own learning, and why the most important discipline of all is learning how to learn. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Blas as much as I do. My friends, I bring you Blas Moros. You're listening to The Good Life on the Real-Time Podcast Network, where we explore the ideas, principles, and habits that help you live a meaningful, flourishing life. Join your host, Sean Murray, on a journey for the life well lived. Los Moros, welcome to the good life.
1: Thanks, Sean. It's good to be here.
0: Well, I'm really excited about this episode because I'm a big fan of your website, The Rabbit Hole you summarize books, articles, you've written essays there, you've chronicled something you call monthly challenges, which I hope we get into. And it's become one of my favorite resources. I've also seen it referenced by many people that I respect on Finance Twitter and other writers. I wanted to start with this concept of the website, the rabbit hole. What's the purpose? Where did it come from? And how did it come to be?
1: I played tennis in college. And for a big part of my life, that was a a big portion of how I spent my time. A couple hours of practice every day and tournaments on weekends and all that. And it's strange being a college athlete who doesn't go pro, which of course most people don't, but from one day to the next, your sense of identity, what you've spent so much time crafting and honing sort of disappears overnight. And that was a a strange and difficult transition for me in a lot of ways. And I sat down after I graduated and I saw a lot of former teammates and friends from other sports who are a couple years older go through this same process. Nature abhors a vacuum. And when that time disappears, when your craft disappears, you can fill it with something productive or something destructive, or of course, something in between that as well. And i had seen so many friends, you know, for the first time in your life, you have a little bit of money, you're working, you're in a big city. The temptation to just kind of go out and party is pretty strong. I didn't want to fall into that trap knowing how easy that was and how seductive that was. So I sat down and I thought through, how would I want to spend my time? When I look back at the end of my life, what would I never regret? I came to the point where I was pretty comfortable that reading, learning, meeting fascinating people, traveling, those sorts of experiences would be things I would never regret. I treated that process just like I did tennis, where I set aside a couple hours every day and I quote unquote practiced. I would get up early in the morning and read a couple hours before work. At the end of work, instead of going to the tennis courts or the gym, I would go home or go to the library and just read some more. That culmination is kind of what you see on on the rabbit hole, where those essays, that writing, those book summaries, instead of just doing that for myself and leaving it just up to me, I decided to start sharing it with other people. And of course, at the beginning, it was just close friends and family, a little email, a newsletter. And it became a little bit unwieldy. So I thought, hey, why not create a, a little website and not really expecting anything of it, just kind of chronicling my learning and sharing it with others that are close to me. And it's been really fun to see. I would say maybe in the last year or so, it's really taken off, and some other people have gotten what seems like a lot of value out of it. So that makes me feel good. I'm excited about that.
0: There's a lot of value there, and I'm one of those fans. You have stated on the website a personal goal. It says, that you set for yourself this goal to learn, grow, and every day become a slightly better version of who I was yesterday. I think that's a great motto.
1: I think there are two key elements to that portion of it. So let's start with the latter, comparing yourself to yourself. There's not a lot of good to be taken from comparing yourself to anybody else in the world. And today with connectivity and how accessible many people are, that's increasingly enticing right you can see what anybody in the world is up to pretty much and that comparison is so easy right oh i'm just sitting on my bed not doing anything and i see xyz person out in the world doing something amazing it should serve as inspiration right i think we can learn a lot from what other people are doing but i don't think it's healthy to compare yourself who you are today with what this person is doing right now and so often you know it's that 10-year overnight success where these people have been honing their craft for a long time and only now does it look like they're coming onto the scene out of nowhere. That hardly ever is the case, right? So comparing yourself to yourself, who you were yesterday, who you were last week, who you were a month ago, do you feel like you're a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser, a little bit better, whatever that means to you? And the first portion of that sentence, learning and becoming a little bit better every day, I think that harnesses this power of compounding, where on a day-to-day basis, it doesn't look all that impressive. It doesn't seem like a Herculean effort. But that consistent incremental progress, eternally repeated, adds up to some incredible results. And I'm still very early in my process. I'm relatively young. But I've seen the benefit of this just over the last five, six, seven years of really honing my craft and feeling like I'm learning a lot, both self-education and what I'm doing at work and with friends and with mentors. It's really starting to pay off, and it's exciting to see that progress.
0: So, this idea of not comparing yourself to others and compounding, these are two great concepts. And I was first introduced to them through studying value investing and reading about people like Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, Monish Parai, and others. And they talk about compounding their investment returns, but they also talk about applying compounding to other parts of their lives, areas like learning and relationships, and exercising. And there's another concept from Buffett in particular that he calls the inner scorecard. And this applies directly to what I think you were talking about there about not comparing ourselves to others. It's much more useful and healthy to keep our own scorecard, our own inner scorecard, and compare ourselves to ourselves yesterday, and measure how we're improving, and not comparing to others. So the whole idea behind this podcast is to apply the principles of value investing to achieve something beyond financial wealth, something I believe is even more important, and that is living a good life. I believe you were introduced to these concepts through value investing as well by studying people like Charlie Munger and others. Can you talk about that?
1: So I studied finance in college and kind of fell into that world through that and read all the books and got excited about this idea of being multidisciplinary. And what I really got out of it is that these big universal ideas that you should focus on, they're applicable across domains, right? Education departmentalizes and silos everything in order to make it easier to manage, easier to handle. But knowledge is in fact one. It's intertwined, it's interconnected. So while it can be helpful to think of things as finance and history and biology, the power comes from this interweaving of this knowledge. How does this apply this idea from finance applied to your life, to relationships, to learning. That's where this compound learning, I think, really comes in. It's not magic. It's just that you have more context to hang ideas off of. And you have previous knowledge. And when you learn something new, you can attach that to your previous knowledge. So the bigger base that you have, the more and faster you can learn. And that's where this idea of compound learning really takes off. Like you said, there's beautiful ideas from physics, from chemistry that we can take into our lives and apply regardless if we're an author or investing or an operator or whatever it might be, whatever you do. That's the beauty of becoming multidisciplinary, right? It's a term that gets thrown around a lot. But I think it takes, or it took me at least a little bit of time to understand what that really meant and why it's powerful. But once you see those interconnections from one field to the next, you understand that there's tremendous value looking outside of your day-to-day, looking outside of your field for inspiration, for ideas, and learning how you can apply that to your craft, whatever that might be.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the different areas that you expand on in the rabbit hole. One is books, and you summarize the books you read. I don't know if you summarize every book. It'd be kind of interesting to have you talk about that. But tell us a little bit about how you find the next book. And then when you read a book, how do you go about creating these notes that get published on the rabbit hole?
1: So I start a lot of books that I don't finish, and I'm comfortable with that. What you see on there are just the books that I finish. So if I read something a quarter of the way, Unless there's something really interesting there, I usually don't share it. It's usually just books that I find interesting enough to get through. And my process for selection is I have three, four, five friends that I trust a lot. And if they mention something, I put it on my Amazon wish list. I generally buy it when two or three of them sort of mention the same thing. You need to read this book. You need to read this book. You need to read this book. Okay. It passes the filter and I buy it. Now, of course, this idea of an anti library, these books that sit on your shelf that you haven't read, that very much resonates with me. So I have a bunch of books sitting out at home here that I haven't gotten to and I might never get to, but that's okay. The filter for what I read is pretty high. And I think that's how it should be. Everything has an opportunity cost. So if you're reading something now, it means you can't read something else. I try to apply that filter, but you have to be a little bit stringent. And if there's something you don't enjoy, to toss it and start on something else and not fall into this sunk cost idea. And I just kind of keep going with
0: it. When you read a book all the way through, how do you decide what you pull out and what goes into the notes?
1: Yeah, when I read, it's it's been a process. I've learned a lot through the couple hundred books I've read, and what works for me and these things I will talk about. They're just what's worked for me, so don't feel like it's uh, the right way to do it. When I sit down with a book, I kind of have an idea of what I want to get out of it. What questions do I have going into it? I read the summary, the epilogue, the prologue to get an idea of what the author is trying to get across. That way, with a big picture idea, you can have that in the back of your head. And as you get into the details, you sort of understand where each of those ideas fall into this bigger picture, if that makes sense. Then I feel like I have a conversation with the author. I write questions, I underline, I highlight, I ask myself questions. And the big thing that's really been beneficial to me and really took some time is asking myself, how do these ideas, these learnings, these concepts apply to my life today and trying to make them concrete? Just that simple question. It's amazing how often an answer comes up, or even if it's not in the moment, a couple of weeks go by. Just the fact that you've molded that over, your subconscious is working on it. When the moment comes, when you come across that situation, it kind of pops into your head. But if you don't give yourself that opportunity and ask yourself those questions and really stop and think about the book, at least for me, I don't think those flashes or those intuitions would come as readily.
0: I think it's an excellent practice. And there's something I've noticed in my life. I'd read a book, feel really energized and excited about the ideas. And then six months or a year later, I'd see it on my shelf and think, what did I really get out of that book? If you can take the time to write down the ideas, I find they just stick so much better. You said something about opportunity costs. I think that's really important too. I mean, we have just a limited amount of time. Everyone has a limited amount of time on earth. And so if you're spending time reading one book, That means you're not reading another. It also means if you want to get a return on that investment of your time, you could spend four hours just reading the book, not underlying, not doing any of the practices that you talked about, and move on to the next book, which I've done. Or you could spend maybe an extra two hours, so a full six hours instead of four, write up the notes, have the conversation with the author, connect the author's ideas with maybe another author in the same subject, and all of a sudden you're walking and then publish it which then leads to connections with other people and sharing your knowledge. All of a sudden, you're getting a lot more out of that investment. An extra two hours, a little bit more effort. Most people don't do it, but it's a huge payoff in my mind. What about this idea of these challenges? I love this idea. You recently picked up the challenge of, I think, learning how to skateboard. Talk about some of these challenges and where this came from and how that's working for you.
1: Senior year of college, I saw a two-minute TED Talk. And I forgot the guy's name, actually, but he's had a big influence on me. But he talks about this idea of a monthly challenge. And it, it resonated with me. It started my senior year of college, so maybe a couple before I graduated. But I've kept it up ever since. So six, seven years later, still doing something pretty much every single month. It gives me a couple benefits. But number one, these things that I've always wanted to learn. And early on, it was pretty easy, right? Learning how to juggle and learning how to do a handstand. These pretty arbitrary and silly things, but that I've always wanted to learn. And I just never set aside to really get around to it. So, it gives me a framework. It gives me a scheduled block of time every day or every week, sort of depending on the challenge, on when I sit down and practice this thing. The second thing, Sean, that's been surprising, and I wouldn't have guessed this from the beginning. It gives me an excuse, a reason to try something. And if I fail, I fail. It's not part of my ego, my identity. It's not like tennis was before, right? When I lost, I took it personally, right? I'm competitive, I practice, I wanted to win. These monthly challenges fall into a different mental bucket. Maybe that's just my shortcoming where I need this excuse to tell people I'm doing this monthly challenge. I'm learning how to skateboard. If I fall, I fall. And that's just kind of part of the process. It gives me that excuse. People see me doing something silly, something somewhat arbitrary, but something that I find fun and worthwhile. I think it sparks something in a lot of people because I think most people have something they've wanted to learn, but just never set aside the time for or are afraid of failing. And they make it this colossal thing they want to overcome. What the monthly challenge does is it just breaks it down into something really simple. Can I learn this in a month or not? And if I do, amazing, that's exciting. And if not, you either dedicate another month to it or you move on and you at least tried it. It keeps me curious. It keeps me a little playful. It keeps my ego in check. All these things that have been interesting benefits from doing something like this.
0: Talk a little bit about skateboarding. I think there was another one, making the perfect espresso. These aren't necessarily learning French or maybe that was one of yours. I don't know. But they can be very playful and fun too. Is there one in the last twelve months that you really took something away from that's long lasting?
1: The skateboarding one is just a recent one, but that's been fun. It's been something I've always wanted to do. And I just I never bought the skateboard on Amazon. I never got on it. I never found five minutes, 10 minutes a day to do that. And when I come up with this monthly challenge, whatever it takes, you know, if it takes a little bit of research or I need to buy a product or whatever it is. I just commit to that. And when it shows up on my doorstep or I do that research, I feel committed to it. So that's the first really small step, right? I've heard, if you want to start running in the morning, just put on a shoe. And that small step is enough to sort of get you out of bed and get you moving. The monthly challenge is the same thing. It's just a tiny step that overcomes that friction that allows this idea from physics, this activation energy to take over. So with the skateboarding, all it really was, Sean, was five minutes every single day before I drove to work. We have a quiet street close to me. I got on it. I tried pedaling. I fell a couple times. But by the end of the month, I felt pretty comfortable cruising around. I could turn. I could go up slopes, go down slopes. And I don't ever see myself really skateboarding to work or doing it on the weekends. But it was fun and it felt good to learn that and to overcome that in some way. And at some point, I want to learn how to surf. And I'm sure some of those things will come into play. And that's another unexpected benefit, Sean. It's been... All these silly little ideas and skills and tricks and you know counting to 100 in these various languages, whatever it might be, you have no idea how it will benefit you and help you at some point in your life. But with learning or with these skills, with reading, the thing that's kept me endlessly curious is this really deep belief that all these things you learn and you do will at some point become valuable, will at some point become useful. Looking forward, it's really hard to connect those dots. But at the end of your life, you can see how this skill and that experience and that opportunity and that learning how they helped you get to where you are. So, Soren Kierkegaard and Steve Jobs have these beautiful quotes that you can't look at life forwards to connect the dots. You have to sort of get to the end of your life and look backwards. And that deep faith and all these things that they will someday be valuable keeps me curious, keeps me hungry.
0: There's a couple things I really like about this monthly challenge. One is that when we're learning, we're energized, we're growing, we get excited about that. It just gives a little spark to life. It keeps us curious, as you said. And it's also connected to this idea of evolution and mutation, which I think is really important. In, in evolution, it's those slight changes and mutations that you don't know where they're going to lead. Mother Nature doesn't know where they're going to lead, but eventually they lead to amazing things, You know, like the human body And in our life, you're introducing yourself to lots of different concepts. It's almost like an option. You're creating lots of options out there. And a few of them are going to pay off really big. Some of them may pay off smaller. But you may stumble across something that becomes really impactful, becomes a part of your life, surfing or skateboarding or espresso or whatever it is. And that kind of brings us to this other section of your website called The Lattice Work, which is a concept I first came across in Charlie Munger's Poor Charlie's Almanac. He talks about the importance of being multidisciplinary in our thinking and having something he calls the lattice work of mental models. And I know you're also working on a project that is going to build off of this kind of section of your website. Talk a little bit about first, maybe this idea of what a lattice work of mental models is and Charlie's concept of it and what you're doing in that area.
1: So it's a project I'm really excited about. I think by the time this comes out, we'll have released it. So it'll be really exciting to get people's feedback and get people's take on it. For me, this idea of a lattice work became really powerful when I understood what Charlie was saying a little bit cleaner. And for me, we did a lot of work around the house growing up and all that. So I was really familiar with this idea of a lattice that is a crisscross shape that you can hang vines and plants off of. It can offer shade. The point of the whole thing is it creates these intersections on which you can hang things. And what Charlie was saying with this lattice work of mental models is that you should aim to do the same thing with your thinking by becoming multidisciplinary, by understanding these core ideas from physics and chemistry and mathematics and biology and all these different areas. You create this mental structure, this mental framework, this lattice work that allows you to hang ideas off of. And we touched on it a little bit earlier, but this idea of compound learning comes when you have a mental framework to hang ideas off of. So all of a sudden, when you learn something new, you have previous knowledge, you can hang on top of that. So learning anything in isolation is almost impossible, right? Where most people learn by analogy through lateral thinking. I know ABC really well, which allows me to learn XYZ really well. That's what the lattice work has, why it's been beneficial for me, at least. By coming to define these big disciplines, by coming to find the ideas within those disciplines, it gives me that mental framework to understand where... An idea might fit in, to understand where I have gaps in knowledge, to understand where I have blind spots. That's what this project is aiming to do. It's aiming to help provide a mental framework of sorts to explain what we call these big ideas from the big disciplines in a fun, curated, interconnected way so that you don't have to go out and read the 600 books and thousands and thousands of podcasts and interviews and conversations I've had with people to create this It serves as a paved road in a lot of ways, whereas I had to cautiously stumble over a dirt path. The Lattice Work provides that for other people. I'm really excited about it. The whole idea is to create this valuable multidisciplinary resource. And the next phase would be to build an all-in community around that. So we're working on creating a tool that's embedded directly into it that allows people to add comments, to add highlights, to converse with each other, to do virtual meetings, to create a master-apprentice relationship of sorts, all through this website, all through this resource. It's early days. Like you said, evolution, the beautiful thing is, when you adapt, it gives you a better chance of surviving. I have no idea exactly where this thing will end up. But I'm excited about this shift from a top-down hierarchical education system where you have a professor preaching to the class to a more communal, decentralized, collaborative situation that allows for us to learn from and with each other. And, you know, there are hundreds of ideas and dozens of disciplines on here right now. I am an expert in exactly zero of them. I haven't spent my life studying any one of these, but I am incredibly curious. I am really hungry. I enjoy thinking about how these ideas fit together. And I think the lattice work provides a resource, a structure, a framework that will allow for all sorts of people from different walks of life, experts who know these ideas better than I do. To contribute. And I think together we can make this a really, really valuable resource.
0: It's a very powerful concept. It comes from this idea that any one great idea, it certainly has value, but the value increases when you can connect it to another great idea from another discipline and see how they're connected. I had the good fortune because you let me see kind of a sneak peek of this new project that you're launching called The Lattice Work. Can you remind the audience how to find it? The website the URL
1: so it's ltcwrk.com and we'll have it on twitter and on my personal handle and all that so we'll make sure that it's easy to find
0: it's just a beautiful website and it's visually helps people connect some of these great ideas and the other thing i'm really energized about this project boss that you're undertaking is developing a community of like-minded individuals that are interested in learning and growing and developing further this lattice work so you can draw on many minds and the creativity of the community to build out these resources so that like you said, you don't have to go through a hundred podcasts or read 50 books in a subject. You can go to the lattice work and see, well, where do these other experts and like minded individuals suggest I start my journey to learn more about say quantum mechanics or to learn about philosophy or to learn about engineering or economics, or any of these major areas.
1: I think that's right, Sean. And what I'm excited about is with so many options, with so many choices, with everything we have access to today, the dearth of information, that is no longer the problem. And throughout history, that was sort of the problem. Now, because of everything we have, the connectivity we have, the value comes, I think, from curation, from interconnection, from this idea of a really high signal-to-noise ratio. And That's what I'm aiming to do with The Lattice Work. We don't want to, and frankly, I don't think we ever could become what Wikipedia is today. It's a world wonder. It is just incredible how much you can learn and all the topics that are covered there. It really is just amazing. The Lattice Work is aiming to do something different. It's aiming to make these ideas to understand a little bit cleaner and crisper how they're interconnected. And then on top of it, how do you apply them to your life? We talked about that step a little bit earlier where it's great if something sounds beautiful on paper and on theory, But that next step, how do you make it concrete? How do you apply it to your life? That's where I at least had trouble. It took me a long time to sort of understand what that looked like and how do I do that? What questions do I ask? How do I apply these things to my life so that they actually benefit you? And that's what the Lattice Work is hoping to achieve. I aim to make it fun and simple and beautiful. You know, I think that a lot of these complex topics turn people off because you start getting into technical equations right away or you don't see how it's applicable to your life or why you should even care. So that's kind of the foundation of the Lattice work, helping people understand why they should care, why all these ideas from these different disciplines that you probably never touched on or really understood why they matter to you, to get that conveyed really clearly up front, to, to make it playful, to make it simple, to make it fun, to make it concrete and interconnected. That's the base that we're starting off of. And yeah, we're excited about that. I've seen the benefit of my own life and the small group of people that I've shared it with, they're of course biased and you will see how many of them were willing to share the truth with me. But it seems like they got a lot of value out of it. But over time, like you mentioned, I really think the community that develops around this will be more valuable than the resource itself. So this chicken and the egg problem that every little network sort of deals with at the beginning, one way that I've read or that I've learned to overcome that is you have a something that's valuable on a standalone basis. And I think the of work is that. I think on a standalone basis, the ideas conveyed and how they're conveyed is valuable. But Another idea we covered, this idea of lollapalooza effects, again, taken from Mr. Munger. Really special things, emergent things happen when this community gets together. So we're excited about that. We're trying to build that up in the right way, and we'll do so organically, and methodically, and thoughtfully, and we'll see where it goes.
0: One of the first big mental models that you encounter when you go into the lattice work is worldly wisdom. And this is another concept from Charlie Munger. And I, I remember first being introduced to it in Poor Charlie's Almanac. And one of his speeches when he talks about just the importance of having worldly wisdom. So, could you talk a little bit about that? What is worldly wisdom? And maybe that'll give the audience just a sense for what some of these big concepts are about.
1: Worldly wisdom is the first big discipline that we cover. Other disciplines include, like I mentioned, physics and chemistry and mathematics and later philosophy and a lot more human centric. But we start with the hard sciences and we can get into why that is. But Charlie talked about worldly wisdom. And the way that I understood it is as meta principles, meta ideas, essentially instruction manuals for life. And my goal with the Lattice Work is to make it as accessible and give away as much value as I possibly can, while ensuring we're viable, while ensuring that we can become a self-sustaining long-term business. And we can get into what that means and what that looks like in a little bit. But I really think that worldly wisdom is one of the most valuable disciplines that we cover, and we're giving it away for free. We'll always give it away for free. At the beginning, while we gather feedback, we've created this wait list. So, all you need to do is give us your email, and you get access to this worldly wisdom discipline. And there are 12 core ideas in there. And again, this is not static, that can change very quickly. Ideas can be added or removed or refined over time. And in fact, I hope they are as we get this community involved and engaged. So, but right now, these instruction manuals for life, I think it's a great place to start because it serves as a foundation, as the bedrock for our lattice work. If we come to understand these ideas really deeply, really well, it serves as a great launching point for the rest of the ideas. It's a great place to learn how to learn. It's a great place to understand why these ideas are important and to how you should go about it. So I start there because it's like a good launching point, like I said, and we'll Make the rest of the journey a little bit more comprehensible, a little bit easier, a little bit smoother. So that's why worldly wisdom is the first discipline we come across within the lattice work.
0: What are you hoping to create as far as the community? What do you expect of people that might want to join this community?
1: It's a really good question. So, an experience that really resonated with me, that really influenced me, was an entrepreneurial paper that I found the PDF of online. And this PDF had Benoît Kosla's writing on it. So a famous venture capitalist, founder of Sun Microsystems, very interesting thinker. And this PDF that was online had his notes. He highlighted it. He wrote what he had questions about. He connected it to his day-to-day and who he wanted to share it with and why. And I thought that was so cool, Sean, because it's like a glimpse into somebody else's head. You can understand the connections they made, whereas you would naturally make totally different connections. And you really get their perspective, and you get where they're coming from, and maybe a glimpse into how they think. And I've had the good fortune of being able to do that with some pretty incredible thinkers. And it's taught me how to think, right? You have a coach in tennis, let's say, right? I had a coach since I was really young, and he showed me the technique for a serve and a volley and a forehand and all that. At least my experience with formal education is I never went through that. Nobody really taught me how to ask a good question or how to do good research, what good public speaking looks like but all these skills that are incredibly important in the real world, at least in my case, weren't really touched on. With the Lattice work with these ideas, it's, I think, in a big portion of it is learning how to learn. What does that look like? What do the steps take? So going back to this Minoad-Kosla paper, what inspired me was, imagine if we could do that on a global scale. Imagine if we could get all these incredible thinkers and this community built up around these ideas that can contribute, that can add their own comments and add their own highlights. and. Again, we have brevity and curation top of mind, so it won't become this onslaught of random highlights that just sort of bombard you. We're working through that right now. The ability to scale that and to learn from each other on with this structure in mind, with these ideas in mind, got me so fired up. That's, I think, the power of the community that we're looking to build.
0: That's a great example. If you think back on history, how valuable it would be to say, See Shakespeare's notes on reading Plutarch, how he read Plutarch because we know he did, and then turned it into a play in some way. Maybe connected it to some other Tacitus or some other Roman historian. And sometimes biographers come across notes like this, and it's just really interesting to their subject because they get a glimpse into their mind. I think it's great. Talk a little bit more about this idea of applying it. I get really fired up when I read Charlie Munger's speeches in Poor Charlie's Almanac or even when I'm reading a blog post, maybe on a a subject I'm interested in, like a philosopher, or I recently read Sean Carroll's book on quantum mechanics, and I just got really fascinated about the multiverse and about some of the interesting properties of quantum mechanics, like spooky action at a distance. It gets my mind thinking, and I can sometimes spend hours and write notes and put it in my journal, but then I think, okay, how do I really make it work? And I think that's where if you can help people just make that last step from consuming these ideas and really trying to absorb them and make them a part of our thinking and making them applicable. What's your thoughts on that? And how can the Lattice Work potentially help us kind of cross that bridge?
1: So let me start one step back with the, the format in which we describe and explain ideas. It follows this idea of an adept framework. And it's something that I learned from Khalid Azad. He runs a a really interesting website called Better Explain. But this ADEPT framework, I found really helpful to learn new things. So it's an acronym. It stands for analogy, diagram, example, plain English, and technical description. So for each idea that we cover, we describe it from these different vantage points. And I think that's really powerful because we hope and we expect a really diverse group of people to join this, different backgrounds, different levels of expertise, And if I wrote it through just one frame, I would naturally only be touching and be resonating with people who might understand that frame. So with this adept framework, you can really get to people with a variety of backgrounds and expertise. So I really like the plain English. That's sort of how my mind works. I like getting to the core, the essence of something. My wife is much more visual. She likes the diagrams. She likes the analogies. And that's how she understands things. First, it's explaining these ideas in a way that might resonate with more people than they otherwise would. And that's what the ADEPT framework is hoping to achieve. In addition, we have a couple other sections. So we have a bunch of quotes and it serves the same purpose really when you have 10 or 12 or 15 people from variety of disciplines from different points in history, touch on the same idea. At least for me, I found that so powerful. Coming at this core concept in a lot of different ways helped me better understand it. Then we have a section called interconnected ideas. And that's a portion of what I'm trying to do to help ignite people's own personal lattice work, right? We're talking about idea A. And in this section, you can see how ideas B, C, D, and E are interconnected. For me, it's the start of your own personal lattice work. Whether you're starting from point A, you're a total newbie, you don't really know what being multidisciplinary means, or you're someone who's been spending their life reading and learning about these things, I think it's still valuable. That's the first aspect of it, trying to meet people where they're at rather than forcing them to see things in one way or a particular way. So that adept framework is really helpful. And then that last part, Sean, it's really difficult. To turn these ideas from theory to practice is hard. And it's different depending on your circumstances and your context and your field and what you're trying to achieve. But through these variety of perspectives and through a community and we're looking to incentivize people to work together, you know, both digitally and physically, if that means building something or getting together or whatever that looks like, to have some sort of accountability, some sort of group that you're working with and learning with and learning from. That's how we're trying to make some of these ideas a little bit more concrete, a little bit more actionable. And we don't have the answers yet. Maybe we never will, but that's part of our core vision to help make these ideas more applicable.
0: Can you give us an idea beyond worldly wisdom how this lattice work is going to build out in some of the other subjects that will be emerging? On the lattice work?
1: One core framework that we use to build this lattice work is this idea of the three buckets. And a mentor of mine described these three buckets in the following way Bucket one is everything inorganic, chemistry, physics, these things that have existed for over 13 billion years. And bucket two is the biological world, things that have existed for 3.7 billion years. And bucket three is sort of human systems, and let's call it recorded human history. Put your number on it but whatever that means to you and through these three buckets you arrive at a really helpful framework to come at multidisciplinary ideas so the thought is if an idea passes bucket one it passes bucket two it passes bucket three that there's a lot of clout behind it that we should give it a lot of weight a lot of respect and a simple one is reciprocation right it follows newton's laws of motion biology you mess with a cat it's going to scratch your face off and human systems, same thing right if i do you wrong people look for revenge. It's just a natural part of the world. And that's one simple example, but one that I show is the power of this three bucket framework. Within the lattice work, that's how we've thought about the disciplines and how we're organizing them. And we'll come up with diagrams and networks to show and make this a little bit more concrete and more visual. But that first bucket, the inorganic world, we have physics and chemistry and science and engineering and experimenting, those types of disciplines. In bucket two, there's only one, but it's immensely powerful, this biology and nature. And within it falls evolution and natural selection and hierarchies and all these beautiful ideas that we can learn from biology. In our third bucket are most of the ideas, actually. So if you're put off by the hard sciences, don't be, because we're going to cover most of the ideas covered these human elements. So philosophy and religion and spirituality and competing and all these beautiful areas that we maybe have a little bit of an easier time understanding how they apply to us. That's our three-bucket framework. That's how the lattice work is laid out. We'll start with the hard sciences. We're moving through it somewhat linearly. But of course, there's no correct way to organize it. There's no proper way to think about these things. They're all interconnected. They're all one. It's just a sign of human frailty, of human thinking that we have to divide all these things to different silos. But in the back of our minds, we have to remember all these things are interconnected. They're all one. Even though we have all these different disciplines, the whole point is to find ways to interconnect them we'll get into philosophy and some beautiful disciplines a little bit after the hard sciences.
0: So the idea is that people will be able to chart their own learning journey through these models and through the worldly wisdom. There's no path that's going to be right for everyone. That's going to work for everyone. you got to find your own. And people will be able to bounce from subject to subject, maybe following connections or just where their interests lie. Is that right?
1: Yes, absolutely. With the early release that we just talked about that we released in late August, we only have a couple disciplines built up. But by the time we get feedback and make a couple improvements and hear what the community has to say, the idea is to release maybe not all but a vast majority of the disciplines so that people can follow their curiosity, so that they can jump into their own rabbit holes and see where those interconnections lie and really make it fun for them. We've laid out a, a learning roadmap that works for us that we might recommend, let's say. but the whole point of this, the what makes this really fun is it's unique to each person. So follow your own intuition, follow your own curiosity. If you don't want to go through this thing linearly, then don't bounce around and have fun. So yeah, exactly right. The whole point is to make this your own, to make it your own learning journey and make it work for you.
0: Can you tell the audience how to get started in this and what they might expect when they get there, how to become a part of the community?
1: So again, the website is latticeworkltcwrk.com. And we've really tried to condense what we want to accomplish and what the whole point of this thing is into two simple pages. So there's a really brief introduction. And then the second page is our vision, which outlines where we want to go, where we want to take this thing. So I really recommend starting there. That gives you, I think, a big understanding, a big picture context of what the work is about. and. Lastly, there's a join us page. So there you can understand a little bit about how we're approaching this. But like I mentioned, Worldly Wisdom is free. All you need to do is sign up for our waitlist with your email, and then you'll get access to all those contents. So again, I really recommend the introduction and the vision as a great starting point. And from there, the whole journey after that will make more sense. You'll understand where we're coming from. One of the main things I hope to accomplish with this early release is getting people's feedback please, please reach out to me. We have a a contact form that's easy to find on the website. You can reach out to me directly on Twitter. I want to hear from you. I want to make this something really valuable, really beautiful, really special. And I can't do it alone. Again, like I said, I'm just a student. I'm no expert. So looking for people's feedback, looking for people to get involved. I hope people take that call to action seriously and do reach out to me and help me make this something special because I think it can be.
0: Yeah. So if you're interested in learning, self-development, Self education. If this idea of a lattice work of mental models and building that out for yourself is something that you are excited about, I just highly recommend checking out the lattice work, giving it a try, poking around in there, uh, giving Boss some feedback. And I certainly enjoyed doing it. It's been really fascinating. I'm excited to watch and see how this emerges and how it grows and to be a part of the community, Boss. Thanks for being on The Good Life.
1: Thank you, Sean. It means a lot. It's been really fun talking to you today and just going through this with you has helped me flush out some ideas. So I'm excited. And again, thank you for having me on. It's been really fun.
0: Thanks for listening to the Good Life Podcast. If you liked the show, please subscribe, provide a review in Apple or Spotify, and visit our website at seanpmurray.net. Until next time, have a wonderful week.